Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Central Wired podcast, and thanks for listening in. Make sure to stay connected with us throughout the week at centralwired.com or on Facebook and Instagram. We hope this week's message meets you right where you're at. Enjoy. Hey! Everybody glad you're here? This will be the shortest sermon of the year? (laughs) Hey! On the eighth day, God created DVR. Uh, I thank God for you. I'm glad you're in my life. Oh my gosh, I've been the pastor here for 38 years, and I I don't know that there's ever been a time in the history of our church when I've been more humbled by your generosity uh, to people in need, particularly hurting children. You know, it was right on time. You brought all that winter gear uh, last week, just on time, because we had two bitterly cold uh, days. And now kids that did not have coats or hats or gloves or boots do because of you. They were shivering, not just from the cold, but for the shame of not having enough. But you came alongside them. In fact, we got a letter, a thank you letter this week from uh, elementary school in McChesney Park, they were blown away. They anticipated if they got winter gear for the kids, they get hand-me-down, throw-away, second-hand stuff. And when they got brand new coats and boots and gloves and hats to distribute to children in need in their schools, they just couldn't believe it. Your generosity is unbelievable, and I'm honored to be a part of this church and your lives. And I want to thank you. I mean, I bought a coat, I brought a coat and a hat, and you know, that wouldn't make much difference, but when all of us together, uh, thousands of us come alongside, we can make a profound difference uh, for hurting children. And today, um, if you don't know our church, we're bringing bags and bags and bags of non-perishable groceries. Every Wednesday here, hungry people in this immediate area show it up show up and we give them four days of groceries to uh, supplement their meals. And I'm grateful again, between Thanksgiving and Christmas, it's not easy to keep our cupboard filled here, but I'm grateful for your help in that regard because there's tons of hungry people need our help. And we're just grateful. We're going to go home to good meals. We had a good uh, breakfast this morning. I, I regret I didn't have spam. Um, But lots of mornings I do, because spam is awesome. Um, My son, Jake, looked into our refrigerator recently and said, Dad, dude, you could survive a zombie apocalypse with all this food. And so out of our gratitude, we want to help those who are hungry. Um, Next week, we're taking up, as we do each year, our annual huge, beyond our regular giving to the Lord, we, we have this Game Changer Christmas love offering for people in need. $200,000 is our goal, as it is every year, and $15,000 is devoted to Shine. That's our prom experience for people with special needs in this area. Um, they, they, they will come, and we'll give them the wildest, most wonderful time, pull out all the stops with decorations and great food and dancing and wonderful music to make them feel like a million dollars, or more uh, specifically, to let them know, every special needs person know they are valued by God and loved deeply uh, by this church. Um, also, we have an orphanage in Haiti, if you're unfamiliar with me, 
Um, as a pastor, I have two biological boys, adults, and two uh, adopted children from Haiti, a son and a daughter who are both adults as well. But my son grew up uh, naked and barefoot out in the uh, rural regions of Haiti. His mom had been a prostitute. She was murdered by one of the guys that had slept with her. He never knew his, his dad. And uh, we adopted him when he was 12 years old and just about starved to death. And he never wants to see another child go through what he went through as a kid. So he's built this orphanage with our help. Our boys there are well-fed, well-clothed, uh, well-educated, except on the weekend, the place they worship, their church has no roof, has no floor. And Haiti is a Caribbean country, so it rains a lot. And when it rains on, the, on Sunday for worship, worship is just a big, muddy mess. And so we're investing $20,000 uh, in that church building for our orphanage and for the surrounding village to make sure they have a place to, to praise God and learn about Jesus that is safe, uh, protected, and where people want to come. And so I thank you ahead of time for the difference we'll be making. We, if you don't know our church, we um, have six different worship venues every weekend, uh, 10 different opportunities to worship at four locations and two languages. And we, our vision is to transform the state line area into a Christ-like community. And we, we pursue that by knowing Jesus personally and by making him known. And uh, so we have campuses in the inner city. We have a Spanish-speaking campus. We have a campus in Janesville, McChesney Park. And we're investing $20,000 in each of our uh, campuses so that we can make it hard to go to hell in Janesville and McChesney Park. It's funny because they're all Packer fans in Janesville and all Bear fans in McChesney Park. And I want those guys in heaven with me. We want to make it easy to come to Jesus. And so we're helping them reach their communities uh, for Christ. Uh, the school next door, beautiful, beautiful facility. 80% of the ch children who go there qualify for free breakfast and free lunch. And uh, so they don't, they don't often have enough, their family doesn't have enough resource for them to go on school field trips. They got to stay back. Now, Central Christian is going to come alongside every child. No child will be left in an empty classroom. We'll make uh, funds available for them to go on every school trip and that they'll have all the necessary school supplies so they would never feel the shame of not having the right kind of notebook or paper or pen or pencil or whatever else they need to learn. Uh, we're coming alongside them. This big offering, I know it's huge. And my Deb and I, We've been setting aside money for this offering because we believe in the vision of this church. We believe in helping hungry people and healing hurting children and reaching people far from God. And so we saved up $1,000 in addition to our normal offering for next weekend. And maybe you think, uh, oh my gosh, $200,000, that's a lot of money. And it is if it was just for one person. But God has put over 700 families in this church who give faithfully and um, if we just average a gift of $300 each, we'll blow this out of the water. Now, I know God has been so good to some of you. You could give tens of thousands of dollars, and I, I hope you do. It would only be right. But others of you, I know I get messages each week about people losing jobs at this time of year. And man, maybe 30 bucks would be a giant gift from you for this offering. But the cool thing is God doesn't measure the amount of money we give. He measures the size of the sacrifice. So I'd like to just pray over us right now. 
Our Father, we live in this broken world where there are people who don't have enough food. And we are so grateful for how good you've been to us. We want to help people who, who are hungry. I mean, who are going to bed hungry. Would you please use us? We want, to, we want to see you heal every hurting child through us. And we want to reach every person in the state line and around the world for that matter with the love of Jesus. Please use us and help us in that regard. In his name we pray. Amen. Uh, if you're here for the first time, first time in a long time, man, we are delighted uh, that God has brought you, and he's brought you in this season of wonder at Central Christian, and you may be wondering about us, thinking we've got a little Christmas cuckoo with these huge goals to feed hungry people and help hurting children and reach people that are far from God. And I'll admit that this church is weird, because I'm weird. I've been here for 38 years, and I'm rubbing off on you. But weird is good. I've seen normal. I'm not interested. Normal people are miserable. I prefer weird people who see their lives as an adventure filled with purpose and passion and the peace of God. Because normal, I've seen it, it's greedy and it's selfish. I, I prefer to hang out with the weird of radical generosity. I've seen normal. It's hateful, it's judgmental, it's condemning. I prefer the weird of unconditional acceptance, unconditional love, unconditional dignity and respect for everyone. I've seen normal, and it's filled with anger and anxiety and worry and fear. I prefer the weird of joy and hope, love and, and peace. And so here's the deal about this church, if you don't know us, and about the story, I'm going I'm to tell you a weird story today. And here's the theme of the story and the theme of this church. Weird is great because our Jesus is great. They had never seen anyone like Jesus. They had never seen any love like the love of Jesus. They had never heard anyone teach like Jesus. They had never seen miracles like the miracles of Jesus. And all they could think was, this dude is weird. And some of them loved him and some of them wanted to kill him and they did. And he rose from the dead. Now, ain't that weird? Unprecedented, unbelievable, impossible. But that's the character of our Jesus. Weird is great because Jesus is great. In fact, saying great reminds me that the one word on which everything turns in this weird story is the word great. It's, it's about Jesus being great, and the Greek word for great, calm down, David. The Greek word for great is megos, and it means excellent, splendid, the preeminent. That means the first and the best of all God's blessing, and that is Jesus. You see, normal, doing life normal gets nothing from God. But weird, weird puts us in the flow of all the splendid, excellent, preeminent blessings of Jesus. Now, before I tell you the story, I got to tell you this. 800 years before this weird story, there was no string or series or clusters of miracles. I mean, there was a once in a while, every wonder, every blue moon, random miracle work of God, but no cluster of miracles. 500 years before 
the coming of the great Jesus. In that 500 years, not one single miracle occurred from the hand of God. Nothing, zero, zip. In that 500-year period, no angels showed up on planet Earth to bring messages from God. None. And for 400 years, before the coming of the great one, Jesus, God, for 400 years, God was silent. No word of encouragement, no word of comfort, no word of mercy, no word of forgiveness, nothing for God got us silent for 400 years. And then the great one, Jesus, shows up and shows off on planet Earth. And guess what? In the Gospel of Luke alone, there are 23 separate, distinct, angelic visitations. Angels start here, an angel, there, an angel, everywhere, an angel. And miracles flowed out of the hand of Jesus. They go beyond counting. The Bible says we couldn't even put them all in there because Jesus worked so many miracles. And Jesus, it wasn't that just God stopped being silent. Jesus was the word of God. And out of Jesus came this amazing teaching, came this authoritative teaching on love. And so here's the weird, awesomely weird story of Jesus. Uh, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. Now, if you were here last week, you know who Elizabeth is. She is this old, ancient, elderly, wrinkled up like a raisin woman. And she's been married for decades to a guy named Zachariah, and they were devoted to each other. They loved each other. They worshiped God, served God, prayed to God. It's just that something was broken on her inside. Her womb had shriveled up, withered away to nothing. But then the weirdest thing happened. God in his grace and mercy reached out and touched her womb, opened her womb, and in her aged, wrinkled up condition, is pregnant. And so as this story begins here, She's pregnant with who would become John the Baptist. And she's in her, in her sixth month. You see how Luke does this? He gives these details so we know that the account is historically accurate and authentic. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel. This is the second angelic visitation just in Luke. Angels are showing up. There'll be 20 more, 21 more visitations to Nazareth. It was a village and 300 people. When we go to Nazareth today, it's like over 200,000. 98% Palestinian or Muslim, 2% Christian, probably no Jewish people lived there or hardly any. In that day and time, 300 all Jewish people, all poor. Village, Nazareth, in Galilee, to a virgin. Okay, say virgin. Oh, dang, you guys sound like you're at a funeral. We're going to try this one more time, like you're in Lambeau Field. Okay, here we go. Virgin. Okay, I'm talking about a girl who ain't had no sex with nobody. That's what the Greek word means. The Greek word for virgin is parthenos, and it means someone who has not had sexual relations with another person. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, okay, we're done with that. Her name's Mary. Give me something else. I'm just on a roll. Thank you. That we, I did that too. Get rid of that. Hey, there's a football game coming on. Here we go. 
here's, here's the deal with Mary. She's 13 years old. That was the normal age of a girl that, who got married in that day. She's engaged to be married to Joseph. Joseph is likely 14 years old because that was the average age of a young man who married someone. They are engaged, and engagement then was not like engagement now. Engagement then was legally binding. You could not get unengaged. The only way you could get unengaged was by getting a divorce, a legal divorce. And you were engaged for an entire year, and the two people, the 13-year-old girl, in this case Mary, the 14-year-old boy, in this case Joseph, they lived apart from each other. No interaction because they were assuring sexual purity. It's just that in this case, the weirdest thing happens, though no Joseph, Joseph's over here, Mary's over here, she gets pregnant. This virgin who's had no sexual relations with anyone gets pregnant during the engagement. Now look at that. Joseph is a descendant of King David. This is huge. I mean, Joseph is poor. He's a carpenter. Wears a hard hat to work. Carries a lunch bucket. But he's just a carpenter. But he's from the line of David. Now this is huge because 1,000 years earlier, 1,000 years previous, God had promised King David, dude, I'm going to work a miracle. And out of your family line, God's like, I'm doing ancestry DNA backwards on you. I'm telling you that 1,000 years in your future, my son Jesus is going to come out of your family tree. That's why it says that about Joseph. So we know this is the way God works. When God's going to do a miracle, he always tells you ahead of time so you know he gets the glory. Not because you're so smart or you're so good or you're so any, anything, but because he is so good and he is so wise and he is so compassionate and he is so generous. A thousand years previous. Well, here's what happens. The angel, Gabriel, appears uh, to Mary and says, congratulations, favored lady. The Lord is with you. That's so cool because when you are cognizant, when you are keenly aware of the presence of God and you cultivate the presence of God, that's when his favor falls on you. I mean, rich favor. You cultivate the presence of God in your family, in your friendships, and the, and the favor of God falls on your family and your friendships. You, you cultivate the favor of God on your finances and uh, the cultivate the presence of God on your finances, and the favor of God falls on your finances. You cultivate the, the, the presence of God in your emotions and your thinking, and, and the favor of God falls on your thoughts and, and on your emotions. He says, the Lord is with you. Now this, she's starting to get a little freaked out because all of a sudden, I think she's been daydreaming about her marriage, her impending marriage. I think she's kind of planning the wedding, wouldn't you? And all of a sudden in her little home, about 600 square feet, there's this huge Shaquille O'Neal sized glowing guy with wings. And she's a little disturbed and confused by all this. Mary tried to think her way out of it, tried to think what the angel could mean. And I don't know if she starts backing away from this guy. I don't know if she turns to run. Maybe he reaches out and takes her her, her elbow and says, Mary, don't be afraid. God has decided to wonderfully bless you. God has made that decision over your life. I often come up and shake your hand or give you a hug and say, man, you look good. You are good. You're great, 
And that's the truth about you because God has decided to wonderfully bless you. I might say you're amazing, you're awesome, and that's the truth about you because God has decided to wonderfully bless you. I might say you're wonderful, full of wonder. That's the truth about you that we don't get very much from anybody, but I got to tell you the truth about you because God has decided God has decided to wonderfully bless you. Now, you get to decide whether you receive the blessings. You get to decide whether you cultivate the presence of God so you live under the favor of God. But God has decided, and the evidence of his decision to wonderfully bless you is the person of Jesus Christ, our weird and great Jesus. And so, the angel says, very soon now, you will become pregnant. And have a baby boy. We're going to try this again. Say baby boy. Baby boy. Oh, I'm falling in love with you. Now, the point is, it's a human. It's not not an alien boy. It's a human baby boy. Hold on to that. And you will name him Jesus. Hold on to that. He'll be very, there's that word, great, excellent, splendid, the preeminent of God's blessings. And he shall be called the son of God. Look at this. This, this weird story is not about Mary. It's not about an angel showing up. This story is like this weird church. It is all about Jesus. And the angel begins to enunciate all the attributes of Jesus. First of all, Jesus fully human. This baby born to a virgin, fully human. Just like you had a human birth and I had a human birth, Jesus had a human birth. Just like you were in your mama's womb for nine months or pushing nine months, just like I was in my mama's womb, so Jesus was in Mary's womb nine months of gestation and then he is born. And when he's born, he cries. And when he's born, he begins to grow and develop. He grows physically. He grows mentally as he opens up God's word and and begins to feed his mind and heart on God's word. He he grows emotionally. He he had human emotions. If you tickled him, he would laugh. When his heart was broken, he would cry. There were times when he was absolutely astonished. There were times when he was deeply troubled over hungry people and hurting children and people far from God. That's where we get all this. That's the heart of Jesus, so it's the heart of this, this church. If you cut Jesus, he would, he would bleed. When they executed Jesus, he suffered terrible despair. My God, my God, wherefore art thou? Why have you left me? Why have you forsaken me? And when he rose from the dead, oh, baby, he came stomping victoriously out of that. I mean, he spiked hell and he spiked death. Can't get my mind off football. (laughs) But my point is, his joy was triumphant, unstoppable, unspeakable, all because Jesus, from the time he was born until the time he was crucified, risen from the dead and ascended to the right hand of God, the whole time he's fully human. But the angel tells Mary, this one born to you will be the son of God. So, oh, I got I to show you something. This is the Bible right here. Jesus had to enter every detail of human life. So when he became, pardon me, so when he came before God as our high priest to get rid of our sin, he would have already experienced all of life, 
all himself, all the pain, all the testing, and would be able to help us in our weakness where we need it most, fully human. But he goes on to say, the angel, that Jesus, this Jesus born to you, he's the son of God. So Jesus is more than just fully human from the moment of his conception to his birth, to, through his life, through, to his death and resurrection and ascension, Jesus is fully God, fully human, fully God, all at the same time, all the time, which made him the only perfect candidate to go to the cross, willingly lay down his perfect life because he knew no sin. He did no sin. It was not easy where we've all failed miserably by sinning with our words and sinning in our minds and sinning with our behavior. He knew no sin. He did no sin. The Bible said he did it with loud cries and tears. Now me, I cry after I sin. Jesus cried before so that he wouldn't sin. Never sinned. Lived a perfect life. Now no one here is perfect. We all have gross imperfections. But what happens when you surrender your life to this weird and wonderful Jesus, all your imperfection goes on him and all his perfection is put on you. It's called the doctrine of imputation. When God looks at you, when you surrendered your life to Jesus, he sees you as absolutely perfect. He sees the perfection of Christ on you. Um, But that was Jesus, fully God. Only one qualified to die on the cross for our sins, fully human, fully God, to be the perfect sacrifice in our place as our substitute, to take the consequences of all our sins. And then when God raised him from the dead, that unstoppable, triumphant, victorious life, that becomes ours. We live, I want to do, when my Debbie and I pray, we pray that we live in the unstoppable resurrection power of Jesus, that we parent in the unstoppable power, that we have our finances in the triumphant power of, of Jesus. It's, it's ours. Here's what scripture says. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and Jesus is supreme over all that is created. Give me another one. I'm on a roll. The son, Jesus, radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God. Jesus says, you see me, you see God in me. He sustains everything by the mighty power of his command. And then Paul beautifully writes it to the church in Philippi this. He says, though Jesus was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, Jesus gave up his divine privileges and took on himself the status of a slave, became human. Having become human, he stayed human. It was an incredibly humbling process. Can you imagine jettisoning out of his being all the glory of God, all the majesty of God, and and becoming a limited flesh and blood person like you and I, humbling process. He didn't claim special privileges. Instead, he lived a selfless, obedient life and then died a selfless, obedient death. The worst kind of death at that, a crucifixion on a cross. And therefore, on the basis of his thorough obedience, God exalted Jesus to the place of highest honor and gave him Jesus the name above all other names that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and every tongue declare that Jesus is Lord. Jesus is God, fully human, fully God. The angel wanted to make that clear, not just to Mary, but to us. That's Jesus. Our Jesus is weird, fully God, fully human, and our Jesus is great. But look at the text. Mary is like, I believe this. I I, I accept this. But how can I have a baby? I haven't had 
sex with anybody. I'm, I'm a virgin. And the angel replied, here's how it's going to work, Mary. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High God will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy. Hold on to that. And he will be called the Son of God. Now, did you notice that in this instance, the, the angel is announcing that all three persons of the Trinity, all three persons of the Godhead, God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, and God the Son, show up and show off in the birth of Jesus Christ, in the conception of Jesus. Now, here's the way it looks. God, the Most High God, the Most High God will cover Mary. And under the covering of Mary, remarkably weird, the Holy Spirit will miraculously plant the seed of Jesus in Mary's womb. We get an ovum that is fully God and fully man, fully human. And that ovum will float down the fallopian tube This is an R-rated church. (laughs) The ovum attaches to the uterine wall. Nine months of gestation. And a fully God, fully human, Jesus is born. Holy. Holy. The the, the Greek word for holy is hagios. And it's not something, there's nothing you can do to become holy. You can't read so much of the Bible or pray so much or go to church so much. When you surrender your life to Jesus, he makes you holy. You simply become holy on the basis of what he did on the cross in your behalf. And the word hagios, we translate holy, means to be set apart for God's purpose, God's dream for your life, set apart to live out God's plan for your life. Let me show you. Jesus, fully human, fully God, is fully set aside to accomplish the purpose of God, which is to live a perfect life and then to die a sacrificial death on the cross on your behalf and be raised from the dead. That was God's purpose for Jesus, so that you could have purpose in your life, so that you would not have to go to hell, so that the grave would not be your end, but that you would have life abundant, super abundant now and eternally with God in heaven. Okay, got to go quick. Uh, the angel said, um, see, Joseph was freaking out because the girl that he's been separated from is showing. So an angel third angelic visit comes to Joseph and the angel said to Joseph, hey, don't freak out, dude. Take Mary as your wife for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit and she will have a son and you are to name him Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. Three persons of the Godhead show up in the conception of Jesus. Three persons of the Godhead in the creation of the cosmos. God the Father is the architect Drawing all the plans. Holy Spirit hovering over the chaos is the engineer making everything organized and fitting into the design and Jesus is the builder. And the third time, all three persons of the Godhead show up is at the baptism of Jesus. Jesus is being plunged under the water by his cousin John the Baptist. When he comes up out of the water, he comes up praying. The Holy Spirit falls on him, fills him, and God the Father whispers over his soul, you are my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Jesus, fully human, fully God, fully set aside for the purpose of God, 
And his name means savior of his people. Jesus is fully savior. To save us. To save us from our sin, to save us emotionally and mentally and relationally, to save our marriages and to save our kids. And this is why our Jesus is great. Amen. Our Jesus is great beyond words. This is why this year, oh my gosh. I mean, last year we had about 3,000 people Christmas Eve, three services, and we're adding a service on Christmas Eve Eve. Why? Because we believe our Jesus is great and we want people that are traveling People that just want to be chill on Christmas Eve, they've got a time. Maybe we'll have 4,000 people this Christmas Eve. But we do it because we believe our Jesus is great. When you walked in, you were probably given some invitational cards to share with your friends, family, neighbors, coworkers. You, you, more will be offered to you when you leave. Why? Why? Because our Jesus is great and worthy of, of reaching out to people who don't know him. It's why we want kids without coats and winter gear to get warm and feel shame-free. That's why we want hungry people fed. Why we want to reach people far from God. Our Jesus is great. Would you stand with me? I want you to say this with me. We're going to say together, our Jesus is great. Here we go. Our Jesus is great. Our Jesus is great. One more time. Our Jesus is great. And great means excellent, splendid, and the preeminent of God's blessings. Let me pray over you. Father, I pray your richest favor and blessing over this gathered church family that we would all personally and profoundly experience Jesus in his splendor and in his excellence and that we might be on the receiving end of his preeminent blessing our Jesus is great in his name. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us. Just a reminder to stay connected with us throughout the week at centralwire.com or on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks again for being with us and have a great week.